0: Hello friends and happy Independence Day. Happy 4th of July to all of you who are watching in this uh, our great beloved United States of America. I wish you a happy 4th and to all of those around the world if any are able to watch this. I wish you uh, appreciation for your own nation and your own uh, leaders and ask that you uh, hear these words and apply them to your home and to your homeland as well. I wanted to just share a couple of scripture readings with you today in the midst of all of the difficulty and conflict and uh, uh, uncertainty that is in our nation today and in many of our communities and in many of our homes. Uh, I felt like uh, what needed to be said today probably needed to come from the Holy Spirit and not from Bill. And so I want to just remind you of a few scripture passages and read a couple of them. Uh, There are so many great scriptures that we can apply as we discuss how a Christian should relate in their country and in their world. Uh, Great passages of scripture, uh, such as uh, from Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 15, when Jesus is questioned, a a question simply meant to entrap him, and yet he gives such a wise and, um, and applicable for us today answer that's so well known. Uh, when they ask him should we pay taxes or not he asks them for a coin and he says whose image and inscription are on it and they say well caesar's and that's when jesus makes that great statement then uh, give to caesar what is caesar's but give to god what is god's and those things are still just as true today uh, as they were almost two thousand years ago when jesus spoke them for the first time and when matthew included them Uh, In his gospel, we have great passages such as Romans 13 the first seven verses where Paul writing to Christians at the center of the first century empire, uh, an empire that was uh, not just um, unsympathetic towards Christian values and towards the church and Christians themselves, but an empire that was uh, violently opposed to it and seeking to destroy it, which really started with the crucifixion of Christ and then the persecution of those uh, who followed him uh, in the years to come. In the uh, decades and and a couple of centuries ahead, the Roman Empire would only make that persecution worse. And yet, in Romans 13, uh, Paul tells the Christians there in the heart of the empire, the capital city of the empire, to uh, be submissive uh, to their leaders and to not get in trouble for breaking the law but rather to, um, uh, to obey the law and be model citizens and respectful and considerate. Uh, other passages of scripture that we'll look at today bring that out uh, as well. Uh, one of the verses, one of the passages that we'll read is in first Peter chapter two, and the final one is in First Timothy chapter two. But there's a small verse, in, one verse in Philippians chapter three, verse twenty that uh, Paul writes uh, as a good uh, kind of preface to these words, because it's a reminder. And that reminder is that our citizenship ultimately is in heaven. Uh, Whatever is going on in the land that we live, the land that we love, we are certainly um, uh, temporary residents here on earth. Uh, Our citizenship is in various uh, uh, nations and communities in this world. And so we care about it deeply, and we seek to help however we can. But we do that from the context of realizing that our first priority and our um, ultimate allegiance is to our God and our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And so I want to read these words uh, from 1 Timothy uh, 2 and, first of all, from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. Peter writes in a day and time where he was writing to individuals, probably in modern-day Turkey, who had been uh, forced out of their homeland. They were immigrants, um, and, and they were residents of where they lived. But they had gone there because they uh, had to leave their homeland, likely in Palestine, likely because of the persecution that started when Stephen was killed because of his faith in Jesus Christ and the words of his strong preaching. Uh, to those who had put Jesus to death, as Luke records uh, in Acts chapter 6 and and 7. And then the persecution that followed in chapter 8, likely the ones that Peter writes to, uh, were forced out at that time and went to uh, this area. And so they were at the bottom of the social scale. They had zero power. They had zero ways to be able to um, uh, manage uh, a different life than what the authorities would uh, give them and yet th- these are the words that Peter tells them and he begins as we read in 1 Peter 2 starting at verse 9 with reminding them and he did this in chapter 1 as well that even though they are resident immigrants seemingly without a homeland um, they were a chosen people uh, they were a royal nation a, a kingdom of priests or priestly kings and if you will and he starts there. He starts by reminding them that they are a chosen people, not because of the nation they belong to, but because of the Christ they belong to. Obviously, these words, as we begin, are not meant for the United States of America as a chosen people, um, but rather for the church. These words written 2,000 years ago in the midst of a, an empire that was violently opposed to the people to whom Peter was writing. And so much of First and Second Peter has to do with how you respond when you're being persecuted violently because of your faith. Uh, And one of the ways that you respond is by doing good. That's the primary way. You respond by as best you can to be model citizens. As we see from those first few chapters in the history of the church, in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and the ones that follow, Um, that uh, there are times in our lives when we are persecuted by the people in authority who do not act uh, justly, who do not act with consideration uh, and respect. And yet we as Christians, first of all, are told to respond, not in kind, but respond the way that Jesus treats us uh, and the love that he had for us and the teaching that he gave us during his lifetime, and through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so Peter says these words in 1 Peter 2, uh, beginning at verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 1 Peter two eleven, continuing, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And then very specifically, he begins in 1 Peter 2, verse 13, Submit yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. And then lastly, the words of 1 Timothy 2 and the call to prayer. Uh, Primarily, Paul tells Timothy to pray uh, for the civil authorities and with, with a specific purpose, not just that peace would reign or that we would be free of harm, although that's a part of it. But that's not the primary call, and that's not the primary reason for this prayer. Much like those early Christians, the disciples in, uh, that's, that, pe- that um, Luke records in Acts chapters 3 and 4 and 5, uh, when they were threatened by the religious leaders of their day, the Jewish leaders, who were civil authorities at that time in their area in Jerusalem, and they they threatened them to no longer speak in the name of Christ, to no longer announce his death, burial, and resurrection, to no longer share that message of salvation that comes through that sacrifice and of the call to respond in faith, as Peter put it in Acts 2, to repent and be baptized everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In chapters 3 and 4 and 5, they were... They were told by the authorities to stop doing that. They were told by the authorities that if you, if you do not obey what we have said, uh, you'll be punished. And in chapter 5, that punishment physically begins as the apostles are all uh, arrested uh, and uh, beaten and flogged and threatened again. But at the end of, of chapter 4, when they gather together and, and share with the church what the threats were, they prayed but they prayed not for safety. They prayed not that um, their political leader would win or lose. They had nothing that was on their side. Um, what they prayed for was for boldness, not boldness to continue to speak, boldness to continue to live faithfully in the eyes of the Lord. And if in the eyes of the state that was okay, then then praise God for that. But if in the eyes of the state it was not okay, to live in obedience to the lord jesus christ then they prayed that they would be bold and faithful and courageous to continue to live the way god wanted them to live whatever the consequences and so in light of all of that that is consistent with what paul writes um, his protege timothy to share uh, with the people of the great city of ephesus and uh, and the church that uh, that was there And so these words in 1 Timothy 2, beginning at verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. And one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Paul encourages Timothy to make sure that the church is praying for the civil authorities. To make sure that they're praying that peace would reign, but not just for the sake of peace, but for the sake of the gospel. Because there is one God, and just as surely as there is one God, there is one mediator between God and mankind, and that is the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. And so in the midst of a, of a turbulent time in this country, we thank God for it. We thank God for those long ago who had a vision of uh, a nation and a government and a people that we would be allowed to live uh, with freedom and justice for all, and we pray for that today. And we try to act for that today as well ultimately though we pray we pray for all of those in authority and we seek to submit um, to those who lead us Um, but we also pray and act in our lives for the sake of the gospel first of all so that people will see our good deeds and not glorify us but glorify god so that the gospel might be spread as paul puts it for there is one god And one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us. I pray that God would bless America. I pray that God would bless our communities and bring about peace on this 4th of July, 2020. And I pray that so that his word, his salvation, his good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, can be spread. God bless you.